Hey, feels like it's been forever since we've talked, but weirdly I don't have much new to say. Today's Mostober bonus episode is tragically our first one ever that I don't have a postcard for at launch. And I tell ya, I can feel the difference. Never fear, I am working on getting that taken care of, and I will do my level best to get one for next week's bonus episode, which I have spent this morning editing. That will premiere in one week on Sunday. That's right, for a Double Stuff October treat, this month's bonus episode is not premiering on Patreon first. But never fear, patrons, you will be getting a new Bellhop New Crew episode this month just for you. I may not have a postcard for this episode, but it's a treat too, all on its own. Lily stretching her wings into science fiction. And you already know Graham is a Bowie guy, so this one turns out great. Next week's is going to be great too. I will talk to you more then. For now, enjoy the Starman. I can see the stars tonight. From my position in the shadows of the hotel lobby, their light dances and shimmers through the ceiling, a dome of clear, polished glass. I reach outward, letting it touch my hand softly, illuminating my crackling flesh and stripped bone so it shines like a fire's carbon remains. Ahead of me, misplaced by the guest as she hurried her mountains of luggage upstairs, a telescope sits in solitude. I examine it, white and sleek in design. Despite the presence of an old, peeling sticker of a rocket ship, it's still clearly expensive. One would assume she'd come back for it, but the guest has long since disappeared to their room, and we have long since started rotting. Across the lobby, the manager and lobby boy stand silently. She pushes her drooping eye into its socket with a thin finger as she stares beyond me. He rubs his nose, running with snot and liquids pushing up from his swelling, spoiling body on his jacket. It keeps us grounded, the rot. It weighs heavy on our frames, like thick coats of fester on skeletal hangers. But by the time it sheds, we'll no longer have the strength to stand. I let the starlight linger on my hand for a moment more before stepping fully into its gaze. The manager and lobby boy's eyes move to peer at me as I cross the lobby and bring myself to stand in its center. Bathed in luminescence and yearning, I look to the stars above, and I wonder what it would be like. Five, Racing my body in the seat, four, I prepare for three, the wave of force about two, to rock my ship. One, and lift off. I refocus on my mission, the investigation of a phenomenon at the edge of our galaxy. 
Its characteristics are unknown to us, but we know it's there, sending out ripples from its place in the cosmos. And in this vessel, I intend to locate it. Standing up from the controls, I slide between the seats, floating past the airlock and its accompanying spacesuits as I float through low gravity. A food storage box sits next to the unmarked door leading to my small bedchamber. I run my hand along the container's cold steel as I attempt to reason how one would make a tasteful cup of coffee in space, and if there's some nebula out there that might contain a better brew. A recognizable hum interrupts me from behind an incoming message. The radio hangs isolated on its own bulkhead like a vigil. I gently move back, press down its blinking button, and listen to the tinny message it squawks out. Acknowledged. Corvus 9 out. I unconsciously and automatically drift to check my status again. It displays my location, fastened to a safe path around planets and asteroids. Everything is in order here. I'm pushing myself toward my next check when the radio springs to life once again. The noise flickers and crackles like an ancient fire, and its message is lost in the static-like smoke. I use the wall to pull myself back and hold down the button again. This is Corvus 9. Repeat your last mission control. Over. The radio responds with hissing static, inaudible instruction pushed beneath its vitriol. But in mere seconds, the words fizzle out completely. Mission control? No response. My circuit's dead. There's something wrong. I've lost contact. My chest sinks. I start to feel dizzy, confined by the room around me. I attempt to lean on the wall with a hand and find that my palm meets the surface sooner than expected. Not giving the realization more thought than necessary, I steady myself. I still have engine power and navigation. I don't need mission control with me. After years of training, I'm more than capable of completing this alone. Outside the cockpit window, dozens of planets watch me as I pass. A large crater stares out from one like a pupil, keenly observing my next move with some impassable emotion. With a determined hand, I buckle myself into my seat and flip a few switches. At the galaxy's end, that hazy cosmic trace awaits me. There's no further word from Mission Control in the hours that follow. The radio stands completely still, not even transmitting the incomprehensible buzzes of cosmic background radiation. My ship is as silent as the void enveloping me, and adding to the quiet, the engines failed. Powered down quietly, 
without ceremony. I spent hours trying to repair them, connecting fuses and wrangling wires, but to no avail. I just need to control my imagination and not let this space squeeze tighter like a python coiled around its prey. Corvus 9 is still drifting toward its destination, and there's a straight path from here. Through nebulan mists and pillars of golden stardust, my destination awaits. I am going where no one has gone before, and my duty is certain. There is a higher purpose to fulfill. I know it's all worthwhile. I know it's all worthwhile. Hey, this is the brief ad break. Thanks for listening. Now back to the hotel. The engine never restarts. And the radio is a broken heap of metal hanging dismally on the wall. I must have... I'm running low on food and oxygen. It's beginning to take a toll on my body. The thin air and rationing induces waves of lightheadedness. I think I'm starting to see things. The ship looks significantly smaller. Or maybe it was always this size. I can't remember. Either way, I drift through the universe, confined to a metal supply closet. With a tight squeeze between the seats, I take my place in the cockpit and look into the distance. Outside my prison's glass window, the stars sparkle cruelly and laugh as they mock me. I scowl, and in the corner of my eye, something shines brighter than their taunting. I put my hand to the cold wall, peering. I've arrived. My ship approaches the galaxy's edge like a boat cresting the brink of a waterfall. Ahead, something moves, swirling and shifting like a turbulent hurricane. My vision focuses slowly, reluctantly, as though barely able to perceive the mass. And I finally see it. A vortex of unimaginable size, pulling in surrounding planets and stars with an insatiable appetite. Warped like a black hole in appearance, but it burns with dreadful light. I start to feel my craft being pulled, maneuvered by invisible forces to face the spiral head-on. Around me, the ship's metal husk groans and bellows under building pressure. I desperately grab the controls to steer, but my efforts are fruitless against the thrall of this celestial storm. It drags with unseen hands, breaking the ship's frame with its relentless might. This is no nebula. I use the last of my strength and sanity to try to flee. I bang both my legs on the control panel, now suddenly pressed up too tightly against me. I push myself up against my command chair as hard as I can, but the bulkhead above me is now only inches away, 
and for a moment I can see stars swirling inside my head before the pain clears. I try to wriggle free, but behind me, the airlock, the food storage, even my bunk, gone. The back bulkhead of the Corvus is less than a meter from me now. I can just barely reach my helmet, though what I imagine it can save me from, I no longer know. Blood runs down my face and into my eye from the fresh cut beneath my hair, and I settle into my chair, free of strength, free of sanity. The entity engulfs me into its terrible maw, lined with teeth of dead stars and broken worlds. I try to wrap my head around the aberration and its impossible nature, both my mind and ship sinking deeper and deeper into the abyss. Raw entropy unfolds before me, my damnation the only thought fully comprehensible. I sit with broken controls in hand, looking into the belly of the beast, and in its core an enormous eye opens slowly. A cold sweat runs down my neck. I call out to the radio, frantically praying to a dead machine. Someone! Please! Help me! The only answer to my plea comes from the ship's walls as they finally fracture and crack, pushing down into the main cabin almost completely. When the cockpit windows... Both six inches of transparent aluminum begin to crack and break. I know she has me. I jerk the T-handle in my center console, and the escape panels above me jettison. What's left of Corvus 9 is blown off course behind me as I shoot violently into the burning, irradiated cold of all that is. My body moves to the abyss, drifting outward. I face the vortex as it drags me toward the eye with cosmic chains. I have a higher purpose. purpose. My heart slows in my suit, straining under the freezing weight of space. I have a higher purpose. A spider web of breaking glass sprawls across my vision as my eyes expand painfully. I have. I stare into apathy, and it stares right back. I have a higher purpose. My eyes close tightly. The helmet's round, clear shield shatters into countless shards, exposing me to the wrathful cold of space. After my eyes expand and burst with a sickening relief of pressure, I flail blindly towards the end of my mission, and in my last moments of consciousness, I imagine the Corvus behind me, mangled to metal scraps, my church destroyed by the careless hand of an impassive god. The remaining oxygen leaves my lungs, and I feel my swollen and bloodied head freeze over in a mask of ice 
bringing me to both the end and the endless. The last thought I have is a plea. A plea that no man chart sanctity in stars and chase divinity in madness. Through the cracked glass dome that covers the lobby, the sky is barren, pitch black, with only a thin veil of skin around my body. I shamble toward the front desk. The manager and lobby boy already collapsed. Their bodies have fallen into each other, leaning on the front desk in putrid, broken disarray. With a shaky sigh, I rest my head in my arms on the cold marble, sinking to the ground softly. My eyes catch one last glimpse of the other two as we rot together. And for a moment, I can see the stars again. The Hotel was created and produced by Veronica California and Mark Witten. Starring Kelly Ninaltowski as the manager. Mark Witten as the lobby boy. Graham Rowett as the owner. And Krista Lewis. Written by Lily Bensinger. Music by Lauren Picorni, West Rodri, and special guest composer Zach Tatum Drake. Produced by Pacific Obadiah. <laughs>